0: Good afternoon, students of Sacramento State. My name is Jesse. I'm from North Carolina. It's an honor to stand here today and give testimony of God's Word, the Bible, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, who changed my life. I'm compelled by my love for you, even though I don't know you, to stand here and give testimony of the glorious Gospel of the Blessed God. And I'm going to start things out today with a very profound statement. Something that will offend some of you. Four words. And I'm going to stand on them. And I'm going to preach them as they are in truth. Jesus Christ is God. True. Period. We're here today to preach unto you Jesus Christ. You've heard Jesus Christ preach today. You've heard the Word of God opened and shared with you today. Not for money, not for fame, not for benefit but for the sake of the truth. And make no mistake, my friends, the Jesus Christ that we are preaching today is not the weakling hanging on a cross in the Catholic Church. We do not speak unto you the Jesus Christ of Mormonism, who is the brother of Satan and a created being, the product of a God who lives on the planet Kolob with a wife and spirit babies. We're not preaching unto you the Jesus Christ of the Jehovah's Witnesses who is called just an angel, Michael the Archangel. We're here today to proclaim to you that Jesus Christ, the One who lived and walked this earth 2,000 years ago, who died on a Roman cross, who three days later rose from the dead, is exactly who He claimed to be. God in human flesh. And my friends, if Jesus Christ is God, That means that He's the only hope for your soul. For to reject Him is to reject God. And to reject God your Maker is to invite upon yourself condemnation. I'm going to take us here to the book of 1 John. A small epistle at the end of the New Testament. The Bible, the Word of God. We're going to go through chapter 5 today. I'm a preacher, not a protester. So I'm not going to stand here and shout little cliches or slogans. I'm going to stand here and preach through the Word of God exegetically to you. I'm lifting my voice so you can hear, not because I'm angry. I'm not angry. I want you to hear. I want my friend over here to hear. Thanks for stopping and listening, my friend. 1 John chapter 5. This is some blunt truth. And if it upsets you, take it up with God. I didn't write it. God wrote it through His prophets. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. theataka I mean, uh, uh, God breathed. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. My friends, in that little statement is such amazing truth. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ. Do you believe that? I do. I you do. may say that you assent to some... I do. Intellectual knowledge or facts about God. To join us for but what does it mean God God bless you. to believe that Jesus is the Christ? Well, let's look at that word Christ. Christ means Messiah. It means the Anointed One of God. Christos, His office. We speak of Jesus as if Christ is His last name. No, it's Jesus the Christ. That's His office, His title. And if you read the Old Testament, where Messiah, the Christ, was prophesied from Genesis all the way to the book of Malachi, it is very clear that Christ, the Messiah, promised to Israel would be Emmanuel, God with us. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, it says, "...For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful." Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That was written of Jesus Christ called the Mighty God. Jesus Christ is called God in the Psalms. So to believe that Jesus is the Christ is to believe He was who He said He was. God manifests in the flesh. The Anointed One, Messiah, come to save the world. What about that word believe? That's not intellectual assent. You can give assent to certain facts and theories, but the way you live your life proves you don't believe these things. To believe is to trust. And when you trust in something, your lifestyle is affected. Your behavior is affected. He that believeth Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Therein lies the great truth about being right with God. You can't be right with God via religion. That's that's why we're not preaching religion today. Someone walked by earlier and says, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I was raised Catholic and the Catholic church is a church of hate. And I said, my friend, don't be so foolish. The Catholic church is a church of hate. It's a church of Satan. It preaches a false gospel. And you're going to take... Your feelings and your disdain for a false truth and cast the real truth out with it, that's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That's foolishness. But whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. My friend, you can't be right with God unless you're born of God. What does it mean to be born of God? Jesus said it this way, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that means listen up, you must be born again. What does it mean to be born again? Jesus explained to Nicodemus. We must be born of water and the Spirit. Every man's born of water. We're born of water when when we come into this world from our mother's womb. The water breaks and the baby is born. But unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. To be born of the Spirit is to have the righteousness of the Spirit of Jesus Christ born in you by grace through faith upon your repentance. That's a spiritual birth. Your spirit is born dead, my friends. The Spirit is man's ability to communicate with God. Man is a triune being just like God. Make no mistake, God is one God, three persons. God the Father, He's a Spirit. You must worship Him in spirit and truth. God the Son, God manifest in the flesh. God the Spirit, the witness of God gone forth into the earth to testify of sin, righteousness, and judgment. One God, three persons. God said, let us make man in our image. Now you may not be able to perceive that or conceive that, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it is truth. To be born again is to be spiritually reborn. To have the Spirit of Christ born in us. John also describes it as being born of God. To be born again is to be born of God. We're born dead. The Spirit in the triune being of man is His means of communication with His Maker. When sin came into this world, and our first father and our first mother sinned and rebelled against God, the Spirit of man died. And the taint of that fall passed on to us you would say, well that's not fair, I wasn't in the Garden of Eden, how can that be my problem? Well, let me, let me put it this way, what happens on a basketball team when the star player has four fouls, the game is close, there's a minute left, and he commits a foolish foul and he's out of the game, and he was the go-to guy for that last shot. What happens? The whole team is penalized, and as a result, they lose the game. It's called the law of representation, my friends. In Adam, He represented all of us. And His rebellion affects all of us. That's why we're born dead. But God made a way for us to be redeemed from that. And that's why He sent Jesus the Christ. The Son of God, yet God. So to be born again is to be born of God. Man's spirit is dead. And only by being born again, a new heart, a new spirit, can our soul... In our body, the other parts of our being, be redeemed. Spirit, soul, and body. Born of God. Have you been born of God? Going to church doesn't make you born of God. Believing some facts about the Bible doesn't make you born of God. Being a good person doesn't make you born of God. There are none good according to Jesus. Jesus was approached by a, a very moral, arrogant young Yet young lawyer, as he walked this earth, and this young lawyer said, "Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, "There's none good but God. Why are you calling me go- good if you don't believe that I'm God? None good but God. Being born of God is not being a good person. Being born of God is not being moral or philosophical or environmental. To be born of God is not religion. To be born of God is a supernatural act of God, whereby God imputes unto you a new heart upon your repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible said, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, not Jesus was a good man, not Jesus a philosopher, not I respect his teachings, But Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One, God who came into the world to take away my sins, perfect trust, necessitated or demanding repentance, is born of God. And everyone that loveth Him that begat, that is God, loveth Him also that is begotten of Him, God the Son. So don't come up here and say you love God or you respect God, or you follow God, but you deny that Jesus is the Christ. Impossible. The God you serve is the devil. Not Almighty God the Creator. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. The proof that you love God is you keep His commandments. You don't love God. You're not a Christian if you're living in open sin, boasting in it, and claiming that you and God both are okay with it. That's why there's no such thing as a homosexual Christian. Impossible! A homosexuality is an identification. It's an identification that says, I'm right, God's wrong, I'm gonna live my way. That's why you're not a liar and a Christian. A liar says, I lie, I'm okay with it, God's okay with it. If you don't like it, you can lump it. No. Impossible. You're not born of God. If I'm born of God and I tell a lie, The witness of the Holy Spirit in my life convicts me and shows me that's wrong. And I'm broken and brought to repentance. The claim to be a follower of Christ and to be born of God and live in open sin, I don't care what sin we're talking about. A practice of lies, a practice of deceit, greed, sexual immorality, fornication. No. You've never been born of God. Why? Why? For he that loves God keeps God's commandments. It says in verse 3 For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Amen. Some of you will say, Well, your, your religion's a set of rules. No, 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 my friend. Jesus Christ is salvation from sin. It's salvation from the penalty of sin upon our repentance and faith. It's salvation from the power of sin through the sanctification of the Spirit. And it's salvation from the very presence of sin in the presence of the Father. It all goes together. You don't have one without the other. Those commandments are not grievous. Because it's the Holy Spirit of God given to those that fall upon Jesus Christ that empower the believer to live righteously. It's not grievous. If you think so, you've been lied to. Listen to this. I'm just reading verse by verse, friends. Profound truth after profound truth. You're not going to hear the Bible in most churches in this country anymore, so you're going to have to come to the street corner to hear it, Amen. unfortunately. That's right, buddy. For whatsoever, I'm in 1 John 5, verse 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Guess what, friends? If you're born of God, you overcome the world. You don't live for the world. You don't love the world. You don't worship the world. In fact, in the book of James, it says, He that is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. You see, when I was lost in my sin, perishing without Christ and very religious while doing it, in church every Sunday, I loved the world. But when I was humbled by the Spirit of God and His conviction and saved by that precious blood of Jesus Christ, that love for the world turned to hate. Righteous hate. Because all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the world, everything in it passes away. Only he that does the will of God abides forever. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. That's That's why I'm not worried about whether I've got health insurance. I don't care about the economy. This isn't my home. I'm not living in fear over a political election, or over an earthquake, or over a terrorist attack. In Christ we overcome the world. There's greater truth. There's one who governs the world. It's going to do what He wants to do with it for His purposes. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. My friends, it's faith in Jesus Christ that overcomes the world. It's my faith in Christ that empowers me to live holy and separate from the world. It's my faith in Christ that compels me to share the Gospel with you today. It's my faith in Christ that gives me hope for eternity, something to live for, and something to die for. And that faith is available to you, my friends, because as Paul said in Romans, it's a free gift. And that's not religion. Religion's not free. Religion is racist, it's prejudiced, and it costs you something. But the Gospel message... See, it doesn't see black and white. It doesn't see male and female. It doesn't see nationality and ethnic group. It transcends those racist barriers. And it's free. Oh oh Who is he that overcomes the world? Verse 5 asks this question. And then it gives the answer. But he that believeth Jesus is the Son of God. That's an overcover. I've already defined for you what is belief, not intellectual assent. But full trust, full and complete trust. I've already defined for you what it is to believe Jesus is the Christ or the Son of God. So you can't come here and say, you respect Jesus, He's a good man, I'm a Christian, but deny He's God. Only those that confess Jesus is the Christ overcome the world. And those that believe and fall upon Him, though broken over their sins, aren't grinded to powder but are empowered to live for Him and overcome the world. Who is this Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Verse 6, This is He that came by water and blood. Even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. What in the world does that mean? Friends, Jesus Christ, it was testified of Him to the people amongst whom He walked from God in heaven by water and blood. That means at His baptism. Jesus Christ, to fulfill all righteousness, needed not to be baptized by John for the repentance of sin, but for to fulfill all righteousness. And when Jesus was baptized and came up out of the water, those standing by heard a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Listen to Him. And then the Spirit of God descended from heaven like a dove and alighted upon Him, giving testimony to all those around that Jesus was Christ, an earthly witness to prove he was who He claimed to be. And of course, He confirmed this witness by performing miracles. Healing the sick. Raising the dead. Opening the eyes of the blind. We don't see that happening today. People claim it on the TV. They want your money. Give us your money and we'll, we'll heal you. And then usually the people are healed. It might look that way or it might be something internal that you can't see. But when Jesus healed, there was no question. A man was healed. The eyes of the blind were open proving He was God. That witness by water was given and written down to us and preserved. Just like the Declaration of Independence was written down and preserved for us today. We believe that. Why can't we believe this record? It's got far more strength in its testimony. Not only by water, but by blood. When Jesus Christ hung on that cross and shed His blood, another testimony came from heaven demonstrating that this was the Son of God. In fact, the Roman centurion who stood by watching Christ as he gave up the ghost, this man wasn't raised believing the Scriptures. He wasn't religious as the Jews were and should have recognized Christ, but he had enough common sense to see the heavenly witness which accompanied Christ's death and say, surely this was the Son of God. Why is that? Well, the earth went dark for three hours. As Christ hung on the cross, the earth went dark in the noonday in fulfillment of prophecy written 700 years before Christ in the book of Amos. There was an earthquake where the rocks were rent. There was an old man who was a, a collector of artifacts and an archaeologist. and His study of archaeology and of, of fossils and the fossil record pointed him to Christ. And, he, he would say, pick up a rock. And you pick it up and there's cracks in the rock. The kid once asked him, why are there cracks in the rock? He said, well, the Bible says when Jesus died on that cross, the rocks were rent. You love the Lord, it's the testimony of His death on the cross. The, Lord. the rocks were rent. Praise a great earthquake, the veil of the temple, very thick veil of that curtain was ripped in two. After His resurrection, bodies of the saints got up in the holy city and gave testimony. Then Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to many. The witness in earth of the blood and the water, testimony from heaven. Those that lived in that day were confronted with it. It was written down. It was preserved for us. But yet, you'd say, why, why, how do you believe something written in a book? Friends, you believe stuff written in a book every day. Every science class you attend, you believe what's written in a book. You've never done those experiments. You've never seen those fossils. You've never done those mathematical equations. So don't talk to me about the foolishness of believing something written in a book. You believe that every day. The difference between the book that I believe and the one you do is it's got fulfilled prophecy and it doesn't contradict observable science. Your science book does, trust me. To say otherwise is willful ignorance. This is He that came by water and blood. Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. I'm talking about His testimony and His baptism and His crucifixion. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gave testimony at those two events in Christ's life. His baptism and His crucifixion. And the Spirit bears witness because it is truth. It was the Spirit of God that moved upon the face of the waters in Genesis 1. It was the Spirit of God that moved. And when God said, let there be light, there was light. The Spirit of God. Now listen to this verse. I don't know how you can read this plain, common sense truth and deny that Jesus is is God. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That's pretty simple. Now I know that some of you Muslims cannot comprehend that. You can't understand how God could be one God in three persons. I don't necessarily understand that, but that's what God's revealed to us. Don't tell me that your faith is built upon the foundation of Moses and Jesus when that's the God they preached. Moses is the one that wrote down in Genesis that God was Elohim. Plurality of majesty. Moses is the one that wrote down God's testimony. Let us make man in our image. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word. The Word is Jesus Christ. He's the Word of God become flesh. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The only way the Jehovah's Witnesses can get around that is they change it. They change the word God to little g, God, which is a violation... Even a kindergartner that can see it's a violation of the original language of the Scriptures. Can't come up with that. And the Word, Jesus Christ, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is God. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. We preach to you today a triune God. The Creator. Not the gods of men. Not Allah of the Quran. Distant and unknowable God the moon god of ancient Arabia, an idol. We're not preaching unto you the god of Catholicism that can be found in a wafer that's bought at a store and then eaten, or God forbid, a piece of it falls on the ground and is eaten by rats. That's not the god we preach. The god we preach is a triune god. One god and three persons that calls you to repent, sir. That god calls you to repent. Repent cause you to repent. And this witness of God, this triune being is one. That's why Jesus Christ in John 10 could say I and my Father are one. That doesn't mean one in purpose. All that although that is implied. That one there means one in unity in essence. So anybody that'll try to explain that away as many one in purpose has no clue about the greek language or the english language per se as god's word has been preserved for us jesus was asked by his disciples in john fourteen show us god the father and he said to them in philip in particular have i been so long with you and you still don't understand come on if you've seen me you've seen god the father It was so obvious. So obvious that even at Jesus' trial, when they asked Him whether or not He was the Messiah, He didn't feel the need to answer. said, you say it, but I'll tell you this, there's coming a day when you'll see the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He cited that passage in the Old Testament about Messiah, applied it to Himself, and then they picked up the stone. Some of you would deny that Jesus even claimed to be God. Well, why in the heck did the Jews try to kill Him then? Why did they want to kill Him if He wasn't claiming to be God? In one place, they picked up stones to stone Him because it said He made Himself equal with God. If you want to say that Jesus didn't claim to be God, then you are woefully and willfully ignorant of history. You're woefully and willfully ignorant of cultural anthropology and all the things you boast in because you can use some big words. Sorry for you, sir. Sorry for you. There are three to bear record in heaven, the triune God. This message of the Gospel is signified... And the stamp of approval comes from a triune heavenly witness. It also comes from a triune earthly witness. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. What is that earthly witness? Well, it's the Spirit... Revealed at Pentecost when He came down. And men from every language unto heaven were gathered in Jerusalem. And those disciples began to speak with tongues by the power of God. And every man heard the great message of the Gospel in his own language. The Spirit appeared as tongues of fire. That was a witness in earth. And that witness in earth agreed with the water... The witness given to man at Jesus' baptism that Jesus was the Son of God, it agreed with the blood, the witness from heaven, the darkness, the earthquake, the the, the renting of the temple veil, and all of those things that took place at the crucifixion, and then with the resurrection, was again affirmed at Pentecost after Jesus returned to heaven. A triune earthly witness received by many preserved and recorded for us. But many of you will not receive that earthly witness because you reject the revelation of God. But consider this. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. You may reject this earthly witness and say, we can't believe that ever happened or we can't trust anything in a book. But the witness of God is greater. And that's the triune God who's already revealed Himself to you apart from a book. He revealed Himself to you in creation which is undeniable truth, self-evident truth. He's revealed to you Himself in your conscience. He's already revealed Himself to you through the curse of sin. So man, you may reject the witness of men, but if you reject the witness of God, you're even more damnable. Because these witnesses agree with themselves. A heavenly witness and an earthly witness. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. What's the witness of God, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost? These three are one from heaven. For this is the witness which God hath testified of His Son. All three members of the Trinity testify to the deity of Jesus Christ. They testify from heaven to the truth of the Gospel. If we receive the witness of men, the testimony given at Jesus' baptism... His death and at Pentecost, the witness of God is even greater because it bears witness on your conscience. And you can smirk and walk by with a grin on your face, but you still have a conscience. You can't deny that witness. Verse 10 He that believeth on the Son of God hath this witness in himself. What is that witness? The three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you have that witness. That's why what seems to be foolishness to men, the public preaching of the Gospel, is the power of God and the salvation of those that believe. I can't explain that to you. Come to Christ and you'll receive that witness. And the things you once thought foolish, you'll see is the power of God. Amen. Okay, that was your introduction. Now let's preach. He that believeth on the Son of God hath this witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made God a liar. Not only are you guilty of rejecting the Gospel and, and receive therefore the consequences, to reject that Jesus is who He claimed to be is to make God a liar. Guess what, my friends? You don't make God a liar. In fact, it says in the book of Romans, let God be true and every man a liar. In the day when He will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Don't make God a liar. He that says He is without sin makes God a liar. Some of you boast in your own goodness and say you don't need Jesus, you're a good person. You've made God a liar. If you reject Jesus Christ as God, as the Savior, and follow false religion, you've made God a liar. That's a dangerous place to be, my friends. You've made God a liar because you've not believed the record that God gave of His Son. I've talked about the witness of God in heaven, the witness of God in earth, the record... The testimony. Well, what is that record? It's clearly stated in the following verses as I read right along. So much truth in this chapter. I'm trying to do a little expositional preaching right now. Verse 11. This is the record. You want to know what the record we give testimony of is today? Not the doctrines in the covenants. Not the creeds of the Catholic Church. Not the pearl of great price. Yep. Not some book that claims to be from God, but isn't verified by archaeology or any of its claims. This is the record that God hath given unto us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. I don't know how, any, how, any, how much clearer you can get. This is the record... That God hath given unto us His Son, or hath given unto us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. If you have the Son, you have life. If you have not the Son of God, you have not life, period. That means apart from Jesus Christ, there is no hope for you. Apart from Jesus Christ, your eternal damnation is secure. Because there is no payment for our sins, as Paul, told, as Paul the writer of Hebrews told those Jews who were wavering between believing that Jesus was the Christ or whether or not they could go back to their Old Testament sacrificial system. If you receive the knowledge of the truth and you fall back upon the old, there is no other sacrifice for sins, because all that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So, with with the Son, there is life; without Him, there's no life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. He took all man-made religion, all man-made prophets, all man-made deities, threw them in the garbage can. Jesus Christ is God and He's the only way to God. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has hell. Period. I'm not ashamed to say that. You can call it hate speech, but you don't understand basic English vocabulary. You've got hate and love mixed up. And you're supposed to learn that in kindergarten. Love bears bids a warning doom to children that play in the freeway. My love compels me to tell you the truth. And then John says in verse 13, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Therein lies another profound difference between the Gospel message and the religions of men. The best religion can offer you is a hope-so salvation, but these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. Yes. Big difference. Praise God. Big difference. Praise the Lord. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Amen. You cannot separate peace with God from Jesus Christ who is God. He's the one that made peace by the blood of His cross. I like it. Preach that. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Go ask that of your gods. Go ask. That hurt. Go ask that of your Catholic Jesus. That's a slam dunk, bro. Go ask that of your Jehovah's Witness God or of your Mormon God. Do you have that confidence? Those that believe on Jesus the Christ have this confidence in themselves. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. You know what puts me at peace? Not that God answers my prayers the way I want them to. But that I can ask God anything knowing that He will answer according to His will. And I'm at peace with that. And friends, that's a peace I can't explain to you. But that's a peace you can have when you come to the Prince of Peace. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. You see, God changes our heart so that the things we ask agree with his will and his petitions because his Holy Spirit lives within us. What religious God can do that for you? Then it goes on to say in verse 18 or 17, all unrighteousness is sin. Thoughts, words, and deeds. All unrighteousness is sin. In verse 18, we know this is hard truth right here, friends. Listen to this, this is hard truth. We know that what whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Whoa. You'll like that, do you? Whatsoever is born of God sinneth not. Well, well, well John's contradicting himself. He just said in chapter one that if we have no if we say we have not sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There you go, a contradiction in the word of God. No. You don't understand basic English language. You don't understand basic syntax if you come to that conclusion. What it's saying here is he that is born of God sinneth. Perfect tense. That means continual practice. That means continual lifestyle over and over and over again without conscience. A practice that produces results. An act that produces continual results. Then you're not born of God if you live a lifestyle of sin. If you if you loved a lie before you came to Christ and then you prayed some prayer, repeated it after a pastor and you still loved a lie, you've not been born of God. If you lived a homosexual lifestyle and then went to church and prayed a prayer and decided that God... God likes you just as you are, and you keep doing what you did before, you're not born of God. Amen. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. That means a continual practice of sin. But he that is begotten of God, that means born of God, keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Those that are born of God keep themselves from those worldly practices. If they fall or stumble into sin, they're woken by the coldness of that chilly, vile water. And they cling to that life rope to pull them out. They don't swim in it like a frog does in slowly boiling water. They jump out. Sends a great torrent river. The fake Christians swimming in that river in the little eddies, the little (laughs) still pools, unmindful of the dangerous waterfall plummeting over the cliff just ahead of the horizon. The true Christians walking that trail along the river, and the trail may be weak. He may take his eyes off the path and he falls into that river. And it shocks his system. And he swims to the bank and calls craw- out. That's the difference between a true believer and a false believer when it comes to sin. Praise God if any man sin in Christ, he has an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. But he that's born of God does not continually practice sin without conviction. Impossible! And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. You folks get so angry out here when somebody talks about sin or wickedness. God says the whole world lies in wickedness. And yet you love the world. And some of you folks claim the name of Jesus and it'll be in church on Sunday and you love the world when God says the whole world lies in wickedness. Shame on your hypocrisy. You would jump to call me a hypocrite because I lift up the name of Jesus in public. You don't know anything about Me. But yet, you come out here and berate your attitudes and berate your convictions by boasting in the world and calling yourself a Christian, showing everybody what a hypocrite you are according to God, because the world lies in wickedness. But, we, the we here are those that have been born of God, know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. This is the bottom line, friends. We could sit out here and debate apologetics, the existence of God, the truth of the Bible, the veracity of the Scriptures, man-made religion versus man-made religion. We could have those debates. You'd have an answer for everything. I could confront you with undeniable, observable scientific evidence. You would deny it and say you can't trust it. You'd have an answer. What really boils down to, friends, is that Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we can't even have an understanding apart from God. It says here that it is God that gives an understanding. So you need God to even give you an understanding. But He will. He does. What's the key to receiving God's understanding? Humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up. Draw nigh unto God. He will draw nigh unto you. Humble yourself before the Lord. He'll give you an understanding. He'll give you faith. And He'll save you. Regardless of who you are, where you came from. And we know that the Son of God has come and that He has given us an understanding. Our understanding comes from God. That we may know Him that is true. We can only know God if He reveals Himself to us. And we are in Him that is true. Those that are born of God are in Him. Christ is the head of the church, we are the body. Some of you Christians out here are the butt of the body, because all you can do is come up and say, well, I'm a Christian, and yeah, I agree with you, but, 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 and you've got a problem with somebody sharing the gospel in public. Well, maybe you're either not a Christian, and you think you are. If you are, maybe you're the butt in the body of Christ. I don't know, because all you ever say is "but" to everything that's spoken from God's Word. Shame on you. Repent. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ, this, basic rules of English grammar, this, pronoun antecedent, Jesus Christ is the true God and eternal life. Friends, Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ, this, Nearest antecedent to the pronoun, basic English language, is the true God and eternal life. The this is speaking of Jesus Christ. You're not God's older brother. So I go back to my original point. Jesus is God. Humble yourself before God. Fall down like Thomas did when he felt the nail prints in the hands and the feet and in the side and said, My Lord and my God. That's your only hope. Little children, the last thing John tells us, keep yourselves from idols. There's so many idols in this country today. There's so many idols in American churchianity. My Christian brother or sister, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from one of the most damnable idols in this society. And that's the Jesus that's been created in the minds of men to serve their own lusts and pleasures. Keep yourselves from idols. And then He says this last word, Amen. You may have heard some of the folks saying "Amen" today. What does that mean? It's an old Hebrew word, transliterated, transliterated into the Greek, transliterated into English. It means "so be it." All of these bold things John has written, he's ended with "so be it." Friends, this witness is true. Jesus Christ is God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by Him. Thank you for listening today. May the Lord grant you repentance and faith. May He open your understanding and may you taste the joy and the peace found in Jesus Christ, your Creator. Your Creator. One God, three Persons. A triune being who hates your sin but made provision for you to be saved from sin because He loves your soul. That's not the gods of religion. The gods of man-made religion serve themselves and they exist to destroy you. The gods of Hinduism exist to destroy you. Tibetan Buddhism preaches demons that do the will of the Buddha. They exist to destroy you. Allah of the Quran exists to destroy you. He's distant and unknowable. You can laugh. God gets the last laugh, my friend. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, not you. You laugh now, he that sits in the heavens will laugh in the last days. On the last day. But the God of the Bible loves you. He hates sin. He will judge sin because He's righteous, but He made provision through Jesus the Christ when God became man. And that's good news, my friends. It's my love for you that compels me to share with you Jesus the Christ. Because this same Jesus changed my life. A wicked sinner. A man lost in sin. Hopelessness and despair. Suicidal and depressed. And Jesus Christ, I searched everywhere for truth. But I stopped searching when I came to Jesus of the Bible. And He changed me. Not by any works or any goodness in me, but because of Him. And friends, if He can save a wretch like me, the wretch that that old song Amazing Grace talks about, then there's hope for you. My voice is broken. God bless you all. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above you, heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.